0: They might say, we love Jesus anyway. The story of Lot is a rather unique one. It's found here in Genesis chapter 19. We'll take a look at the life of Lot and a message called Mercy is Knocking, part two. Join us. Way of Grace, Pastor Jessica Stan, next. Ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. We're continuing our series simply called Arise, Move, and Go. Today we're looking at Genesis chapter 19 once again in a message that takes to the forefront the life of Lot. Lot, mercy is knocking. That's the title of our message. Today we're going to see a surveillance system to trace strangers, a sodom that wants you to know, and a sovereign intervention that separates. It's all part of our direction the rest of this week here on Way of Grace. Join us. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's program.
1: Genesis chapter 19 is one of the reasons why Western culture wants to get rid of the Bible. Amen. You can go home now. Genesis 19 is why the Western culture wants to get rid of the Bible. Amen. You can go home now. Genesis 19 is an assault. On God, the Imago day, the biblical family, the biblical worldview. As long as Genesis 19 is around, it's a thorn in their side. Because their goal is to transform you into the image of the beast, every whit. So, what we're looking at today is a rise, move, and go. Lot mercy is knocking at the door. For the second time, I pray that God will grant you and I to have the alertness and the obedience of faith to rise up and move from whatever position we may be in by which we are mimicking or modeling the culture for which God is going to rain fire and brimstone down in our tax. I want to be out the way. For me to know that I have to examine myself, whether I'm in the faith or not. Because it's apparent in our text that religious folk that go to church actually get consumed in this fire. It's apparent, isn't it? Unless you don't know how to study your Bible. There's only three people that escaped, the rest of his family went to hell. That's church folk. So be very careful when you read your Bible to make sure you assign the categories appropriately so you can examine yourself. Our elder read the last verse, verse 26. And the last time that verse came out of anybody's mouth, it was Jesus. Who warned us to escape from the wrath of God. By making sure that we're not Lot's wife. Do y'all remember that? All right, we'll get back there when we reach our third point. And we'll only touch on it it a little bit today. We'll unpack it more fully next week. Point number one, there is a surveillance system to trace strangers. I'm building a bridge between then and now because as I've shared with you before, your Bible contains and constitutes eternal truth. What that means is that God takes historical narratives, embeds in them principles of reality that span the whole of human history, and if you can see the prophetic message embedded in it, you know that then is now. Then is always now, because there's nothing new under the sun. Even that which is to be is then. Because that's the nature of humanity. The nature of humanity is that we are either under one or two systems. We are either walking in darkness or walking in the light. And if we're walking in darkness, our patterns and conduct are predictable. And if we're walking in the light, our patterns and conduct are predictable as well. That's the other reason they want to get rid of the Bible, because it's radically binary. Like the Bible is not full of all this confusion that we're dealing with today. Like it's real easy for you to know who I am. I'm a man and I go by he. Right, so 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 I'm simply saying those are matters of truth. And I was sharing with my brother in the other day as I sent a particular clip out, I said I want you to listen to the ambiguous conflated discombobulating Uh, fickle language of someone that's arguing for what went down the last three years as being legitimate. Then I said, listen to the brother who's very clear about it and watch how the ring of truth always demolishes the fog of propaganda. Have you ever experienced that where somebody comes to you and says something to you and you go, I'm not real sure because they were so sophisticated and so complicated and so long and and circuitous and just filled with all kinds of rhetoric. You you don't know whether you're coming or going when you listen to them. And then somebody just comes and gives it to you straight. You go, oh, that's the truth. Oh, that's the truth. Because the ring of truth is so absolutely clear to those that love truth that it cuts through the hypocrisy and the lies every time. This is why you want to wait for the truth. Because when you hear it, it doesn't come to have you scratching your head. Truth always is there to let you know he's in the house. And so when we deal with point number one, a surveillance system to trace strangers, what I am is, I'm saying is if you look at Genesis 19:4 carefully, pull up 4, please. If you look at it carefully, what God has embedded in that verse... When you allow it to open up is a very clear insight into the way the sodomite culture had strategically set up a surveillance system. You have to read your Bible carefully. You can't just read it in a passing fancy. Look at the verse. Let me see if I can work with you for a minute. Look at what it says. It says, but before they lay down, who was that? The two angels that had came to visit Lot. Remember? Remember? They had come in the evening, and Lot was so concerned for them, he said, let's get in before nighttime. Let's let's get inside. We don't want you hanging out at night because in sodomite cultures, the lights are on in the daytime, but at nighttime, all the lights are off. So we want you inside. That means that when the angels came, from the time they came to the time they had entered into Lot's house, there was a surveillance mechanism already set up to identify any strangers that were coming into the community. There was a surveillance system not only set up, but it was not only set up to identify them, but to track them. They were able to come directly to Lot's house. That means if you, if you by inference draw it out, that means you have to have some people over here watching, some people over there watching, some people down there watching, and they all had to have a mode of communication as a kind of integrated link of dialoguing so that they could spot where the stranger is and follow them to where they go. Am I making some sense? Yeah. It's extremely important for you to get it. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house about. Before they lay down. Now we know what had happened. Lot had brought them in because he's a Christian and we are to entertain strangers unaware. We know that. And Lot was helping to wash their feet and get them ready for the next day. But while he was doing Christian business, the enemy was doing wicked business. The term compass about. Is a thematic principle. The house of Lot has now been encircled. A siege has taken place. His house is surrounded by the sodomite community. Are you hearing me? And it's surrounding the sodomite community because there are strangers who will come in and they want to have some insight with them. But the point before we get there is this. What a remarkable system to be able to watch somebody come into your community and trace them all the way to the place where they abide. And in short order, you have everybody surrounding the house. Now notice the next verse because it lays it out for us. Look at the next verse. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in unto thee? Bring them out that we may know them. Look at verse 6. And Lot went out of the door unto them and shut the door after him, verse 7. And he said, brethren, I pray to you, do not so what? Wickedly. Now let's go back and work through a little bit because not only have these men surveyed these strangers that they know nothing about, but they tracked them and followed them to the house and they encompassed the house totally about, did they not? They totally encompass the house about and the text tells us how it was. It says in verse four, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the sons of Sodom can pass the house round about." Watch this, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. Did you get that? Old and young. This is a cross generational siege. So what we're getting here is an idea of the nature and culture of that society, are we not? This is not a bunch of old dudes. This is not a bunch of freaky women. This is about old folk and young folk. What that means is the whole of the society was committed to surveillance, tracing, tracking, encompassing, sieging, and sieging for the purpose of dominating Dominating and controlling. What you have is what is called a predatorial surveillance system. It's totally predatorial, is it not? You didn't see anybody coming with cookies. You didn't see nobody coming with fish. You saw no one coming with goods. They're all coming for something demonic, perverse, and maniacal. From the greatest to the least, from the oldest to the youngest, I'm here to tell you that's the society we live in today. God, wake up my people for a moment and see this encompassing about that we're about to deal with. It is remarkable on the practical and geographical level, because in our minds, we think, how could they do that so quickly? And people have been wondering that who have studied the word of God deeply for decades and centuries now. How could they have moved so quickly to encompass the house about? You don't have to raise that question today because today it is not geographical, it's technological. They are surveilling everyone and particularly the stranger and they don't need to move because everybody is integrated by the live vision system. And every time you get on, they get on too. And they're watching you because they need to know if they can know you. Am I making some sense? It's extremely important for you to understand the word of God actually is a mirror to everything going on. Don't play with God's word. So every day you and I wake up and even when we go to sleep, they're encompassing the house about now. That's a theme that we got to work through. It's a theme. And I've told you what themes are. They're patterns. They are recapitulation principles. And I'm getting ready to show you a theme here so we can work our way through it. Are you ready? So what happens here in the Genesis 19 account is simply the battle between good and evil, between God and the devil, between the people of God and the people of the devil, between heaven's citizenship and earth's citizenship. They are always in conflict, conflict, and Genesis is your seed doctrine. I've taught you this. Genesis means seed, the beginnings, the origins. And what that means on a larger theological and on a larger narrative level, events taking place in Genesis repeat themselves in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and they actually enlarge themselves like a seed planted in the ground. And then the next time it pops up, it's larger with more information. And then the next time it pops up, it's larger with more information until we have an eschatological climax. Y'all keeping up with me? I just gave you what is called biblical theology in a nutshell. History according to Jesus. So now let me see if I can help you understand what we're talking about before we carry on with the rest of this narrative. When I say we are dealing with a theme and a pattern, verse four gives us a clue. But before the men lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, come past the house about, seized it about. That's the language that the scriptures uses several times. The psalmist deals with this. The psalmist lays this out. Look at Psalm 118. Uh, verses 8 through 12, Psalm 118, verses 8 through 12. Now, anyone that knows Psalm 118 knows that we're dealing with what is called a Seder Psalm, and it's messianic, and the person speaking is not David, but who? The Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you another verse in relationship to that. But if you start at verse eight in Psalm 118, this will give you an idea and an echo, an echo of what we're dealing with. And you need to be able to do this when you read your Bible. You need to see God showing up again and again about the same matter in different ways so you can see it in a broader, more, more uh, fuller way. Here it is again. Notice this. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Would you agree with that? Right. This is the problem with the church today. It puts its confidence in men. It puts its confidence in technology. It puts its confidence in secularism. It puts its confidence in worldliness. It puts its confidence in science and not in God. Am I making some sense? Now, the person uttering this is going to show us that he knows something about being a stranger and how the dark kingdom would assault him if he didn't trust in the Lord. Next verse. Notice this. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in what? There it is. Now, again, we've been talking about this because I've been sharing with you the battle that God fights in our world largely is against the princes of this world. He's a king of kings. He's a lord of lords. And the Lord Jesus, with his hosts, fights against the kingdoms of this world. Does he not? If it wasn't for God doing what he does in the high places, you and I would be slaves of every kind of wicked system in the world. If God didn't hold back kings, if he didn't control their hearts, as Solomon said, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whithersoever he wills. I actually believe that. And therefore, I believe that our rulers, as wicked as they are, will only go as far far as God wants them to go. That brings me peace because if they kill me, it's for God's glory. But I'm sure they're going to come up on me as close as they can because God told me they would. And he says, I need you to be still and know that I am God. That's what he's saying to all of his people. It is a test with every one of us when the world system who has unhinged itself from God wants to play like they are God. It's a test for you to trust God, even though like the waves of the sea, they're coming at you. But as David said, they will peter out right at your feet if you trust God for it. This is what he's saying. It's better for you to put your trust in the Lord. I didn't ask you to change the verse. It's better that you put your trust in the Lord than to put confidence in rulers. So we need to be admonished. Because some of us have been fighting as Christian brethren for several years now saying, don't trust them. Don't trust them. They haven't earned your trust. God did. God earns your trust. They did not earn your trust. See, in a free country, our rulers have to earn our trust. They don't get to just tell you what to do willy-nilly. They have to earn it. Now, God has earned it, has he not? And so we're supposed to hold them to the fire of integrity and commitment to evidence before we submit to any of their policies. Okay, it's important. It's better to trust the Lord, and that's what God would do. God won't tell you something that he won't prove that he has done for you already or will do. God's not just telling you to believe him willy-nilly. God doesn't want you engaging in fantasy. Am I making some sense? Here, the greatest entity in the universe gives you a book so thick to promise you he'll do what he says. And somebody sends you out a paper thin policy note and wants you to bow down to them. You don't know them from the man on the moon. You don't know their history is wicked, maniacal, crooked, that their pathology is so vain and so contrary to any good man. And as soon as it comes, we want to bow down to it. Am I making some sense? Told you it's going to hurt because you've got to wake up. Got to wake up. See what what Lot is doing right now? He's kind of waking up, isn't he? Is Lot kind of waking up? See, like Samson, kind of waking up now. And some of us need to kind of wake up. Here it is. Verse 10. Here it is. All nations compass me about. All nations compass me about. Open thou my eyes that I might behold wonderful things out of your law. Right? To whom is the gospel here? But to them, to whom the minds, to the enemy has blinded the minds of them that believe not. I'm praying that God gives you the spirit of revelation and enlightenment that you might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Because if you're blinded, you're going to you're going to actually follow the pattern of what's about to happen to these sodomites. Am I making sense? You want your eyes open. You want to be able to see that when this text says all nations can pass me about the me here is Jesus. The me here is Jesus. Listen to the language but in the name of the Lord, I will what verse 11. Here it is again in verse 11, they compass me about Yea, They compass me about, but in the name of the Lord, I will what verse 12. Notice again in verse 12, they compass me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns for in the name of the Lord, I will what does the psalmist want you to know that he's being encompassed about by his enemies? Does he want you to know that? And does he not want you to know that from time to time you're going to have the same situation? Because all of God's people have been going through this throughout church history, have we not? God warned Israel, this is a Deuteronomic curse that's coming on Israel, that if they rebelled against God, he let the nations come in and siege them. That's Deuteronomy 28. That's why our elder was reading Psalm 79 where the judgment was upon the temple because Israel had defiled it. And the church of the living God has that same warning in 1 Corinthians 3 as well. Listen to this. They compass me about like bees, for they are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will what? You know that's Jesus. Is he not the one who is said to be the embodiment of the word of the living God? Does not a sharp two-edged, one-fire sword come out of his mouth? Is not his word like fire that burns up the chaff? And so here we have a messianic psalm expressing Jesus who was encompassed about by the nations as well. The Roman Empire, the wicked Herodian kingdom, the apostate church with the high priests, Sadducees and Pharisees. Am I making some sense? Look at it in Psalm chapter 22. I want you to see it here for yourself. In Psalm chapter 22, this is the Messianic Psalm, and it's very clear. Jesus is speaking. Look at verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is that Jesus? Verse 2. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you hear me not, and in the night season, and am not silent. I, I am calling on you all the time. Look at verse 10. He says, I was cast upon you, O God, from my womb. Is that true, child of God? Was, was Jesus not in need of his daddy the moment he was conceived in the womb of Mary? Was not the devil coming after him while he was in the womb? Isn't that Revelation 12 verse 4? And the beast saw the woman and wrapped himself around her to devour the child as soon as it be born. So Jesus, assuming a human nature, understands something about the siege, doesn't he? He's on the cross right now, isn't he? Now watch what he says, saints, over here in Psalm 22, verse 11 and following. Watch this, verse 11. Verse 11 says, be not far from me, for trouble is near and there's none to help. See, sometimes God's going to put you in that kind of situation. And, and the thing you and I should be doing if we have the spirit of adoption is crying out, Abba, Father. Be not far from me, because no one else is around to help. See, does not Jesus know all of our troubles? Now notice what it says in verse 20, uh, verse 12. Many bulls have what? Many bulls have compassed me about. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me about. Now we're dealing with the zoomorphism. Are we not? Some of y'all got that. Bulls of Bashan means wicked, brute beast rulers who want to devour Jesus. He goes on to talk about them being lions and jackals. He's describing them as foxes as he did when he talked about Herod. When God is using the zoomorphism, he's saying that they have lost the dignity of the Imago day. When God calls them beasts, as we learned on Friday, right? Man being in honor, if he does not abide, he's like the beast that what? Perishes. So here Jesus is on the cross being encompassed about by all of these brute beasts that want to devour him. Does Jesus not know? He knows, doesn't he? And so here's the point. When you're reading the Old Testament, like we are in Genesis 19, let's go to Judges 19. We're going to start at verse 20. When you're reading the Old Testament, I got to teach some people here because they don't know. When you're reading your Bible, you need to be looking for the person and work of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you're going to be engaging in fairy tales and you can come up with all kinds of opinions. But when Jesus says in John 5, 39, you are searching the scriptures, but in them you think you have eternal life, yet they are they which testify of me. So when we're reading our Bible, we want to see the redemptive work of Jesus in the text. This is where we're leading you in the Genesis 19 narrative, are we not?
0: Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at six thirty, and man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. Six thirty in the evening, Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, Grace Bible com Or by calling 510 886 9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small, no gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one time gift. It is all tax deductible and again the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. I don't care what they
1: might say. I don't care what they might say, we love Jesus anyway.